good to see everyone this morning, and what a blessing it is to be here. I may move this right this way. I'm feeling it's like it's right over that way. I'm going to get in the sweet spot here in just a minute where, we, where it won't be a problem. Anyway, it's good. It's great to be here this morning. It is great to see everyone this morning, and what a blessing, and I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity this morning to share the Lord's Word with you and to study the Word with you this morning. So if you will open up your Bibles to... Galatians, we're going to continue our study in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to be studying verses 16 through 26. So if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to go ahead and read those passages. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Before we get started, let me pray for us. Most dear Heavenly Father, what a wonderful opportunity it is, again, to come together as a church family, to come together as people seeking after you, to come together to open up this book, to hear the words that you've provided to us and to give us the opportunity to study, reflect, and dear Lord, place upon our hearts your message. Dear Lord, as we go through this morning, may neither I nor anything that's in any of our lives be a distraction or a hindrance to us fully understanding and comprehending and taking in your word. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We hope and pray that everything we do here this morning bring glory and honor to you. And it's in your Son, my Savior's name, that I pray. Amen. So, for some of y'all, this hopefully this passage is very familiar. Because it is, you know, most of the memorization passage that Todd asked us to start memorizing at the beginning of the summer. So I think it'd be fitting if we're going to sit there and talk about that passage this, this morning to go ahead and for me to randomly call on someone to come up here and recite that by memory. So Glenn, could you please come on up here and go ahead and recite that by memory? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it is a wonderful passage that we have to sit there and, and reflect on this morning. And I am very excited about getting this opportunity to talk about this passage. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you that if... Um, 
you do, if you do and look, go and look at other commentaries on this passage and you see what other people say, and I didn't read any other, other commentaries um, this time in my study, um, but if you go, you will find that there are many that will spend weeks and weeks just on these few passages themselves because it is so rich and it's so full of such a wonderful message from our Lord, and it's so consistent. Obviously, it's consistent with what Paul's message has been to the Galatians up to this point in time. And for me, if you'll bear with me for just a minute, if you will bear with me, it always helps me to kind of bring everything back into context and to remember why we're here at this point with the Galatians in Paul's letter. If you recall, as you know, Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians because there was an issue that was happening with the Galatians that he found out about, and there were some leaders, if you will, that were in their midst that were trying to convince them that it was something more than Christ, that if you truly wanted to follow and if you truly wanted to believe, then you needed to sit there and comply with and obey the law. And so up to this point in time, we've been hearing from Paul about all the reasons why that is not the case. Why the law, that wasn't even the purpose of the law. If you'll recall, Paul tells us what the purpose of the law was, and it was to point towards, one, acknowledgement of your own sinful nature, but two, most importantly, that you had to have a Savior, that you needed a Savior to overcome this sinful nature. So we're at the point now where Paul is talking about that, and he's talking about it is not the law, but instead it's Christ. And he gives us an example now of what that actually means and what that actually is going to show and what some of the attributes are, are those of those who are following Christ and are not being solely led by the law. So let's break this down a little bit as we go forward. And let's start in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, I know many of y'all have the New American Standard, and if it says the flesh, that's the, same, that's the same concept here, right? Sinful nature of the flesh is what we're talking about. In verse 17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So far, I think I'm good. I think I kind of understand this, but we're going to talk about it more. So let's read on. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Okay. I don't know about you, but when you first read that and you first start looking at that, I could see how you might be, what do you mean you do not do what you want? Or if you have the New American Standard, it says you do not do what you please. What do you mean I don't do what I please? Because of this conflict between the spirit and the sinful nature, how could it be that I do not do what I want? You know, it's interesting. Paul, a few years um, later, I believe, in his letter to the Romans, sits there and actually talks about this. And I'm not going to go through. I told Christy, um, asked me, Christy Connor said, you will be on time, right, when I get with the message this morning. And I said, you know, I know it was a little late last time. I promised I would be done by 1.30 or 2 today, and so everything will be good. 
And Christy, being Christy, because she's smart as a whip and not missing a beat, said, hey, that's no problem. All the kids will be in there at 12, and they'll be fidgeting and crying and everything else by that point in time. So I'm, I would encourage you, as you go through your study in Galatians, though, to go back to Romans and read chapters 6, 7, and 8. Because in those chapters, Paul actually describes something here that I think is very applicable to that one phrase right there that I do not do what I want. You see, when Paul was talking about that, when he says, I do not do what I want, one of the things he says, is, and he, he I guess, he um, elaborates in Romans, is we know when he, had, when he knew of the law, one of the things as we talked about, and as you just mentioned just a minute ago, one of the things that law pointed out to you was your sinful nature, right? What you know inside of you, in your flesh, you have this sinful nature. And the law pointed that out to you. But the problem was, is even though that in your mind, and even Paul calls it being in his mind, he was a slave to the law, but in the flesh, he was a slave to the sinful nature. And so in his mind, he knew what was what he wasn't supposed to do. He knew what sin was. And yet, he could not, and he still ended up doing things he did not want to do. Does that make sense to anybody? Have any of y'all ever at any point in time known you weren't supposed to do something, but you ended up doing it anyway? For me, maybe a couple hours ago, it happens, right? And the problem was, though, is that as Paul is going through this conflict in his mind and as he's, as he's thinking about this and as he's writing it to the Romans and he's recognizing the fact, I know this is wrong. I know this is my sinful nature. I know this is my flesh. And yet, and I know what I'm supposed to do because of the law and, it's the, and it is... My mind that understands the law, I still end up succumbing to the sinful nature. What, and this is how Paul puts it, what a wretched man am I? Isn't that true? And is there a better definition of actually being a slave? You know, Paul talks about in Galatians and elsewhere, he talks about being a slave to your sinful nature. Well, if you end up doing what you do not want to do, even though you know that it's sin, if you end up doing it anyway, and if you can't not do it, as best as you try, I'm not talking about every time, but on, a, you know, on the basis, you understand. If you can't not do it, is there a better definition of being a slave than, being, than doing something that you don't want to do? That is, I think, one of the definitions, very definition of being a slave. You were forced into doing something that you do not want to do. And that was the flesh. That was your sinful nature. And so the law, and what Paul is trying to tell the Galatians, what the law pointed out to you was the simple fact that you simply were doing what you do not want to do. And he felt like he was a wretched man because he knew that the law couldn't overcome that. The law could not overcome the sinful nature of the flesh. That's the point.
point that he's trying to make. The difference, so what's the difference now? Well, that's what Paul answers in Romans, right? What a wretched man am I, is what he says, when he talks about that constant battle that's going on within him between the sinful nature and the law in his mind. So he said, what a wretched man am I. But what's the very next thing he says? Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the next thing that came out of his mouth because it's the recognition. And in fact, it says it in these very passages right here. It's the recognition that it's only through Christ, only through Christ can we overcome that sinful nature. All the law did was point to the fact that we absolutely needed Christ. That's what he means when there's this battle going on where the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to sinful nature. They are in conflict with, one, with each other so that you do not do what you want. We read further on down, though, that since we live... Excuse me. I think I told you last time that I'm in desperate need of bifocals. And I still am in desperate need of bifocals. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with the passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The difference now, and what Paul is saying now when he starts with verse 16, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. For the sinful nature, you, for if you live by the Spirit, you will not satisfy those desires. When, we're talking, when Paul talked about it before in Romans, it was completely different than that, right? He could not... The law, his recognition in his mind could not overcome that. But now that we have the Spirit, and when do we get the Spirit? When we accept Christ, right? The Spirit comes and lives inside of us and it dwells inside of us. And now that we have that Spirit here inside of us, not the law, we can overcome the sinful nature, not us, but the Spirit that is inside of us. Okay. So at this point in time, you're saying, I really, Matt, why you've lost me again like you did last time. Um, and when I get that look, and I can see that look on some of y'all, I promise I'm not going to bang on the podium this time, though, to see which heads jump up <laughs> for those of y'all who were here last time. But so what does this mean that you do not do the things that you please? And I actually think Paul outlines it here in Galatians itself. How many of y'all make lists, to-do lists? Glenn admitted it. I admit it, I make lists. I'm not near as good at it as some others, but I'll make a list. And so what I, what I want you to think about right now is I usually make lists if I need lists of what I need to do or what I want to experience. You know, we recently went on vacation and we talked about a man is good about trying to sit there and get us together. Okay, well, what do we want to do today? What do we want to accomplish today? When I make a list, usually it comes after I've had a good night's rest, meaning I'm not rushed when I get up in the morning. I'm sitting down with my cup of coffee. I'm either at my desk or at the kitchen table. Things are peaceful. 
which means most everyone else is still asleep in the house. <laughs> but things are peaceful, and I'm making my list. I'm kind of in a good state, right? I'm trying to think positively about what needs to go on. So I want you to sit there and think about this list that you would create, all right? And these are things that you would want to experience. Who would make a list that says, okay, today, I think I want to experience sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, um, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, so on. I think it's safe to say, and it's fair to say, that that's not a list that you're going to make of what you want to experience, right? But would you sit there and think, you know, today... I think I want to make a list where I'm going to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who would be interested in experiencing that in a day? I would, right? Yes, thank you. I think most of us, that's what we want to sit there and experience. Right? So that's the list that you would make. Now, so since you wouldn't make the first list, which we'll call the list of sinful nature, since you wouldn't make that first list, though, how many times, if that's not what you would get up in the morning and put down as to what you want to experience that day, how many times have you actually experienced one of those things? Anger? You know, yesterday, I was I, one of the things that I do when I, uh, um, either with it's our adult Bible fellowship or with coming up here and sharing the word with y'all, one of the things I'll do is sometimes... On Saturday, I go to my office, and I um, go over my notes. I go over everything. I sit there, and I, I try. I know it doesn't sound like it when I'm up here in the morning, but I really do sit there and do some preparation and getting ready for this stuff. And on, on Saturday, I go over there, and yesterday I did the same thing. And I'm reading these lists, and I'm studying this stuff, and I decide, you know, I'm really, really hungry. It's right at lunchtime, and right by is a Chick-fil-A. Now, I'm trying good, trying hard to sit there and keep to a diet, and they've got a really good salad. So I go over there and I get the salad. And as I'm coming back, believe it or not, I run over, because I find it, I run over half of a scissor. I mean, it was this long. It was one of those big scissors. It didn't have the handle anymore. Bent, and I, meet, I got out of my truck just to go. I was like, what is that? Making sure it wasn't part of my truck. So I went back to get it and see what it was, and as soon as I get out of my truck, I can hear my tire going, right? This is about 1 o'clock. I'm thinking, no big deal. I'll change the flat and everything else, right? So I go ahead and eat, then do a little more preparation, then go outside and change the flat so I can get home. Well, when I do that, I go out there, and I get my jack out, and I get my lug wrench out, and I go over there and start trying to loosen the lugs. And I'm sure this has never happened to anybody else, but I'm stripping the lugs like nobody's business. That is the wrong size wrench for those lug nuts. And I know it. My offices are on the far west side of town, and so northwest side of town. And so Amanda and them were home. There's a Walmart not far by, so I'm going to walk to the Walmart. And I'm going to buy me a new lug wrench. Go and do that. Come back. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a nice, cool afternoon. Come back. I come back and I get to my get to my uh, truck and I start trying to crank off those lug nuts and I end up having to hammer on a particular lug nut 
because they were stripped. And each time I did that, the lug nut would get caught. And so when I loosened one lug nut, sometimes I have to go in and actually put soap on the lug nut to get it back out. Needless to say, at the end of it, four hours later, it should not take you four hours to change a flat tire. Four hours later, all I kept thinking about were the fruits of the Spirit as I'm walking along, right? <laughs> because if you don't have that, I could very easily have fallen into fits of anger, all sorts of things that would have been inappropriate, that would have succumbed to my sinful nature. To be honest with you, it was obviously it wasn't a, an accident that I had been studying that before this occurred to me. <laughs> it was definitely something that I needed that help with. So we all know that with the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, even though you have, even though you've accepted Christ and you have the Spirit inside of you, as Todd said it before, when we're doing communion, this doesn't mean that because you have the Spirit inside of you that you don't struggle with your sinful nature. Right? Paul goes on in verse 18, and he says, and I'll read it, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay. That goes right in with what we were talking about before, what I was talking about before. But as before the flat tire yesterday, as I was trying to think of a good way to sit there and relate that to you, for those of y'all who were here before, this will not come as any surprise to you, but I thought, okay, how do I explain, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so naturally, I fell to an example from Apollo 13. Y'all remember Apollo 13? I talked about it last time. Biggest reaction I think I got was from um, those who were my age or older when I reminded them that it was Opie who directed it. <laughs> so Apollo 13, if you're, and I don't know why Apollo 13's been on my mind. I guess maybe because Apollo 11, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11's been going on, and so you see a lot of the landing on the moon. But for those of y'all who are so young that you don't, I mean, I wasn't, I don't remember Apollo, I'm not as old that I remember Apollo 13 personally, okay? But... For those of y'all who remember the story, that was the one where they were going to go to the moon and you had all sorts of bad things happen, right? And they, the whole movie is about how all these people work together to get these astronauts back safely to the United States. Spoiler alert, they made it back safely. And in that movie, I used some of that movie to sit there and talk about some of the message the last time I was before you. But one of the things that happened on there is that on their way when they realize that they are not going to be able to land on the moon, and they say that they've got to come back, they're just going to have to sit there and come back, they say that they're going to use the gravity of the moon to slingshot them around back to Earth. And they wanted, I forget which character it is, I don't think it's Tom Hanks or Kevin Bacon, but one of the characters says, and if you all remember the movie, he says, Sir Isaac Newton is now in the driver's seat. Now when I saw the movie the first time, I was even then I thought, no, <laughs> no. We all know Sir Isaac Newton's not in the driver's seat. God's in the driver's seat, and he's been in the entire time, right? All Sir Isaac Newton did was recognize a force that God put into place to begin with, but we name it 
And then we say Sir Isaac Newton's in the driver's place. That's what we do as humans. So God's in the driver's seat. He's coming back around. And I promise you this is going to come back to being led by the Spirit, not under the law. Okay? I promise. At least it is in my mind. And there's a scene in there, if you will. If you haven't seen it, hopefully I can describe it accurately for you. There's a scene in there where they, the engineers back in Houston realize that they're not on the perfect trajectory to make it into the atmosphere, right? You have to have that little sliver to be able to get into the atmosphere. Don't, don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but it's real, real small, and you really have to be in this perfect path. And so they're trying to figure out what you can do. And they have the lunar module still on there, and they have all these little rockets right on that lunar module to sit there, and it's supposed to adjust it to where you can easily come and land on the moon. But now they're going to have to use that to try to get back on the right course. And Tom Hanks' character says, they're trying to figure out how you're going to do that. He says, well, really, we just need one fixed point in space to be able to sit there and do this. And so he's looking out a window, and he says, well, I've got a big one. And of course, people in Houston weren't thinking about this because the object he's seeing is Earth itself in the window. And so he says, as long as we adjust it, and I still keep that earth in this window, then we'll be, it should work out. They said, yeah, it should work. And so they do it. And so these rockets blast off. They're going all over the place, and it looks like they're bouncing over the place, which I don't think really was true since it's weightless. But they're moving all over the place, and everything's going on, and then all of a sudden at the right time, they slam. Ooh, I did. I did slam on it. <laughs> they, slam, they slam on the podium. I mean, it's not the podium. They slam on the, on the uh, propulsion part, and they, they kill it all. Everything just stops, and the earth's there in the window. So I want you to think of it this way. This is where I promised you it would come back. When he says you are now under the Spirit, no longer under the law, those astronauts, when they were trying to push this jet propulsion one way or the other and get that ship into line, think of that as the law. The fixed point in space that you're headed towards is Jesus Christ. The, where the analogy fails, or where actually you can might extend it, and what Paul's been trying to tell the Galatians all along is, you are already on the path with Christ in the window. He is with you. He's the one that's guiding you. He has you totally in Him and with Him, why are you now going to try to adjust your course by starting to turn on all these little jets by everywhere? Be circumcised, follow certain days of the week, or certain holidays, only eat certain foods. That's like putting on jets after you already have Christ there in the window. All those jets were supposed to do were to actually show you that that's where you needed to be all along. Now that you're there, turn it off. There's no need for that. Christ is the one that's in control and is bringing you that way. I'm still getting some stares. So I do have one other, and we have time. Chris, Christy's okay. My daughters and I, and, and Todd loves using examples when he goes backpacking, and so do I. It's been a long time since I went, but my daughters, um, Olivia, asked me to go backpacking this summer, and so we did, and it was fantastic. It was a great time of me with my two daughters, and everything's going 
it's, it's tough. It's been a long time. My whole goal, to be honest with you, was that they wouldn't have to drag me off the mountain because I had a heart attack. <laughs> I knew they were going to be in better shape than me. But they, and, and, so, and that, so everything's going good. Our second day out, we're having a great time, but it's a pretty tough day. We'd already gone about 10 miles. It's a long day. If you backpack, 10 miles is a long, long day. And a lot of it had been up. Um, we hit the Pecos Falls, and it's getting kind of late. You also know that if you backpack, I mean, you've still got to set up camp. You've still got to get dinner ready. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you've got to do, and you want to do that. You don't want to do that in the dark. It's never a good idea to do that in the dark. So it's getting kind of dark, getting close to it. And we're on a path, and I had a good map, and I had been faithful to follow the map and follow the path. But what did Matt Wade do? It's getting late. I've got my two daughters with me. We're in an area where we can't camp. And I go, you know what? I know this is wrong. I know that the trail we're supposed to be on is right there. I know it's right there. It's got to be. It's right there. So I said, girls, follow me. Famous last words, right? <laughs> and they do. We go down the mountain, and we head, we're heading right towards the Pecos River. And we get down to the Pecos River. And, of course, on the way down there, I know within... I don't know, 15 minutes, I have made a horrible mistake. <laughs> but Matt Wade's pride wasn't going to sit there and admit all that to my daughters at that point in time. So we went on down to the river, and I said, I'm going to make this right. The only way I made it right was when I admitted I had made it wrong to begin with. And then all I could do was to sit there and figure out how to get back to the path. And that's what we did. And to my girls' credit, they were real troopers. I mean, I deserve to go ahead. They really deserve to be a little mutiny at that <laughs> point in time. But, but they weren't. It didn't, there was no mutiny. I was on the path. The Galatians were on the path. They had been led astray and off the path. And if they had stayed that way, it would have been difficult for them to have seen the whole purpose of the path. And Paul does a wonderful thing here in this passage. The Lord does a wonderful thing in this passage. He tells us what it means to stay on the path. What it means to be led by, to walk with the Spirit. Think about this. He tells us what the results are going to be if we are led by the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says this, against such things there is no law. There is no law. This law is not... It's not against that, right? But that fruit comes from where? The Spirit. That's where that fruit comes from. Because the Spirit, because of your belief in Christ, is the only thing that can overcome the sinful nature. So the obvious question for us this morning If only the spirit that is inside of you 
can crucify the sinful nature. If we're Christians and we have the Spirit inside of us, does it mean then that we will not succumb at times to our sinful nature? We answered that before, right? No! No. Unfortunately, no. But what it does mean is that because of the Spirit, we don't have to be a slave to our sinful nature. Paul recognized what a wretched man he was before Christ because there was no thing other than being a slave to your sinful nature. Now, you are not a slave to your sinful nature. In fact, I think Paul actually points out, if you will, in the last verses of this passage, an example of how you are still subject to your sinful nature. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Then he says this, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Wait a minute. Provoking, envying. Where was that? Have we seen envy in this set of passages before? We sure did right above. Did we not? And what was that? That right. It was, the na- it, was, it was from your sinful nature. Envy was one of the things that was outlined that is evidence of your sinful nature. Paul recognizes the fact that even though we have the Spirit inside of us, they're in conflict. But what the wonderful news is, is that we have, by the Lord being inside of us, by the Spirit leading us, not by us, sinful nature doesn't have to, we don't have to be a slave to our sinful nature again. So the question, I guess, this morning would be on this passage is then how do we live? How do we live by? And how do we walk with the Spirit? How do we do that? Well, I think the first thing, and also is our same passages right here, the very first answer that is, first thing you've got to do is you've got to be led by Jesus Christ. Christ has to be your Savior. Christ has to be indwelling inside of you for you be able to live by and walk by the Spirit. So that's the first thing that you have to recognize, right? And to fully experience it, you're going to have to need to set aside something. I think I listened to the message last week from Todd, and he was referring to a question that Brian asked you. Are you willing to be weak and needy? What does that mean, are you willing to be weak and needy? It means that you're going to have to willing to accept that you're vulnerable. It means that it's not you, Matt Wade, you don't know where the right path is. You don't know better. I've got to set aside my pride. I have to set aside myself, and that has to be filled with the Spirit. When you set aside yourself, when you recognize how weak and needy you truly are, and when you bring in the Spirit, that's when you enjoy the freedom that Paul is talking about. That's when you enjoy the freedom to do that list. That's when you enjoy the freedom to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you want to do. And now you're no longer a slave to being forced to doing what you don't want to do. 
Now, only because of the Spirit, you're able to do what you want to do. That means that you now have the freedom to actually enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. Who wants to enjoy those fruits? Who wants to enjoy love, joy, peace, self-control? All of us. All of us. If you're led by Christ, that's absolutely what you want to do. Isn't it interesting that in order to be truly free, to do the things that you want, you have to submit to Christ. So I guess the question really is for us this morning, I don't think that I've told you anything that is earth-shattering or something that you don't inherently know as a believer. And if you aren't a believer, then I think that probably what's egging you on inside, there's something going and telling you, yeah, I understand that there's a sinful nature, and I understand I can't do this myself. I understand I'm in need of a Savior. But as believers inside, we know the list that we want to make in the morning. We know what we want to experience. We know what we want to experience with others. So the question is, isn't that we know we don't know what we're going to experience. The question is, what is keeping us from doing it? What is it that you have inside of you? What is it that's in your life that is keeping you from fully experiencing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the fruits that come with that? Let us pray. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Most dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Dear Lord, thank you for your perfect plan. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for giving us the spirit that dwells inside of us as your sons, as your daughters, as your heirs. Dear Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the promise of the fruit of the Spirit. Dear Lord, when we take these things in, when we study your word, it begs the question, why would we have anything in our way from walking with and enjoying the fruits of the Spirit that you've given? Dear Lord, help me recognize those obstacles. Dear Lord, help me submit fully and completely to you so that I can enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. Dear Lord, you have laid out the path. On the path, dear Lord, don't let me lose focus of what's in the window. These things I ask in your Son's name.